This is the Walking Well Podcast, and I'm your host, Jalon Martz. It's season four. We are continuing last week's conversation. This is part two of Female Sexuality Matters with Michael and Connie Smith. I'm super excited to continue this conversation. Um, We are talking, obviously, about sexuality, so it is not necessarily for your littles, um, but it is grown folks' food, right? Like, it's, man, they hit on so many good things last episode, and I can't wait to get into this episode, um, which is the continuation of last week's conversation. So, um, get your notepad, you know, kick the people out that you need to kick out, put your headphones in, do what you got to do, but tune in because, oh, so good. So, so good. Um, so yeah. All right, let's start it. The only thing else that I want to add, and it may not necessarily answer the question, but maybe something for the listeners, um, having been young and single and now being married and having had to deal with some of the outworkings of my pre-married life, um, that I don't think, not all, but I don't think a lot of young single people understand or can grasp the gravity or the weight of what they're doing in their single life Mm -hmm. and how it will affect once they're married. I think they feel like they can, you know, kind of draw a line in the sand and say that, you know, is the past or that is you know, my pre-married life and now I'm, you know, and it, it's going to carry forward. And wisdom, wisdom violated is chaos created. You can't, you can't swim, swim upstream against God's wisdom and not expect for there to be buckles under the tile when you get there. Not that it can't be worked through, not that it can't be worked out. God's grace is sufficient. You just create complication to converse and to have to work through things. You know, you, 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 you sleep with people through high school, college, your adult life. You're going to marry a woman one day. How do her breasts compare? How does her body compare? How does her comfort level compare? You marry a man. How does his body compare? His penis his the way he served you. Now you're in a thing of, well, well, Timmy did this to me and Billy did this to me and Suzanne did this to me and, you know, uh, uh, Yolanda did this to me. And and now you're kind of left with, well, you're a little bit better than this and a little bit better than that. And listen, that's everyone. Mm-hmm. Because even the virgin who was 27, 28 before he had sex, I carried all this comparison because this broken world brought it to me. I carried expectation of what it should be like, what you know, what the formula was, 28 to the left, 35 to the right, 17, and, and get into with a real life human. What's interesting is in your single life, you had what, I mean, a lot of partners, I guess you would say a lot of partners. I mean, a lot of people have different definitions of a lot. Yeah. But, but according to your own definition, you would say, you know, um, but we're not sexual at all. You, you didn't masturbate when you were away from a boyfriend for seven months or whatever. You weren't like, I'm so horny. I'm so this and that. It was just never there. So you, you were a non-sexual being who had lots of sex and sexual partners. I was a virgin who carried desire constantly. And so she was a Christian. And after she got saved, she's like, I haven't slept with anybody since I got saved. And I'm thinking, oh, wow, but you had to be tempted. She goes, no, not really. Would you ever find yourself when you were like, oh my gosh, it got too hot and heavy. And then I'm so glad we stopped. She goes, no. And I'm like, now you're lying. Look, we're getting married. You can tell me the truth. And she's like, no, seriously, I like not even a temptation, not even like 
I need to cover my head and just wait for the morning because I'm sorry. It, it's just like it never happened. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm marrying a saint. And then when we got married, because I, because I'm a single Christian, I'm an associate pastor, and I'm having to watch my thoughts and <laughs> I need an old priest and a young priest and uh, anointing oil and everything else. I'm going, what's wrong with me? And I go, wow, she's this virtuous woman that that loved sex before she got saved, came to Christ, gave all that up, and said, God, one day I'll be able to get married and have. You know, I turn it off for now to honor you, but I'll turn it back on as soon as I'm married. And we got in and it never got turned back on. And I kept thinking, okay, is it me? Am I not what you want to be? And come to find out it was a switch that was never turned off. Mm-hmm. And, and what she said, and this kind of, she said, my, I was like, well, wait a minute, you brought lingerie on our honeymoon and we did this and we did that. She never denied me sexually. She never said, I won't or, or you know, I'm not comfortable with this or that. And I'm thinking, but you, you did all the stuff. She said, yeah, because... I purpose to be a good wife. And I was told this is what a man wants. And I'm going to be the best for my husband because I want you to have the best wife. She said, but I never factored myself into that equation. Mm. I never saw myself as an equal participant. And when she talked about two chairs in the Holy Spirit, we sat down one day and she just announced after a decade of our marriage, you know, I don't think I'm a sexual being. I'm like, what do you mean you don't think you're a sexual being? And so I'm saying, if you were to look at the resume on paper, this is what she always says in her mm-hmm. conferences. If you were to look at the resume on paper, it would paint one picture. But not every girl that parties is a party girl. Mm. And, and there's a lot going on there. And you talk about a tragedy of errors. We I fundamentally mean, missed each there other. There was so much that we thought we had understood about each other, thought we, you know, had, had the communicated things, the things that he assumed that I was thinking, like he said, maybe it's me, maybe she's not attracted to me. And I'm like, you are so far off the mark. How, how are we so far off from each other? And it was interpreting interpreting stuff without maybe fully discussing or fully understanding. And part of that is understanding yourself. Big time. Until I understood myself, how I got to where I went. It, Mike, even in his, you know, how how he got to where he was. Until we could understand that, how are we going to understand each other? And so, with the understanding of ourselves it brought understanding to us as a couple and I think demystified a lot of the misunderstandings in our marriage. Yeah. And you had that experience working on a, she's working on a book called conversations at the well mm-hmm. and you know, the woman at the well in John four, the Lord sits down with her and he says, uh, she's like, she's like, I'd like this water mm-hmm. uh, that I'm never thirsty. He goes, go get your husband. Well, we're not talking about husbands. We're talking about the water. And he, and, and he starts to tell her, basically you've had five husbands. The guy you're with now is your husband. And basically what was saying is you've gone to all these other things to satisfy your soul and none of that will ever do. And she comes back to the village and she says, I want, she says, I've been with a guy all day and he told me all things I ever did. And I think until you have a encounter with the Lord to show you the fine print of your own story, mm. that you're, you're giving out information and kind of told me, and again, this may be for some of your listeners, young or old, we, when, during, when we were dating, I, I guess you would call it dating. I don't know, recording, whatever <laughs> people did. I don't know. Um, well, she's the only person I've ever gone out on a date with, the only person I ever called. The only per- I mean, she's the only person. Mm. Uh, she said, she said basically, and I, we were talking about, like, I don't know, date seven or whatever. It's like, well, maybe we should talk about sexual past or whatever. And uh, I was like, okay, I'll go first. None. You heard, you know, so she, well, that was not what I was expecting. Um, uh, but she was like, look, I was a slut and I was a whore. And that's it. And she said, but that's not me anymore. And I go, okay, well, not really what I was expecting, but. Life gives you lemons. Hey, what's the worst that can happen? I, I'm going to marry somebody who loves sex. It'd be great. And come to find out she was the least slutty, <laughs> least whoring human being you could ever imagine. I mean, the, 
I mean, had no, product not as advertised. Mm. Product not as advertised. But I didn't understand myself even. Herself, I, yeah. I, I saw was what point. was on paper yeah. and thought A plus B equals C, and that it was not that. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying if we could be teaching on marriage and have it that wrong, then how many other people are out there trying to connect, want to experience the pleasure? You know, and you, yeah, yeah, so conversational intimacy leads to relational intimacy. Mm. And there's nothing you've done in your past, whoever's listening, that cannot be overcome. I don't care what you think mm-hmm. adultery, affairs, porn, prostitution. We have helped people go through it all. If you will have the courage to sit down with your spouse and talk through, and here's the other thing this is what got me. Knowing what a person's gone through is not the same as knowing how to build a life with a person that's gone through that. Mm knowing you're marrying somebody who's been sexually abused. Okay, I know that you know that factually, but you don't know what it's like to build a life with somebody that's been a, knowing I my father left, my birth father left when I was before my second birthday. Kind of like, okay, so you didn't have your dad in your life. That's a fact. Mm-hmm. But knowing what it's like to grow up with a man who had a hole in his heart from two years old, you don't know that. But marriage says, look, I'm marrying you based on what I understand today. And 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 based on what I'll un- come to understand tomorrow, till death parts us, we're in this. And and that's a journey, and it's yeah. an adventure. And you think you know each other day one, at year five, at year 10. We are coming up on 19 years. And this week, have had conversations like, I never knew that about you. And I'm just talking about new facts. I didn't know you thought that way. Or Connie said to me, was it today? About- yesterday? Yesterday. yesterday. She's like, you know what? You always talk to me about having daydreams. And, and and things and this and that. And she's like, I never had daydreams in my life. I think I have one. And I'm like, oh my gosh. It was like it was like the biggest thing in our life. Tell me about your daydream. Tell me about your daydream. Like, you know, she's like, well, I thought, wouldn't it be cool if we did this? And I'm like, oh, I've got a friend to play with, you know, in my imaginary world. I had no siblings growing up. I mean, imagination was all I had. And so I'm saying, she's 46. I'm 46. We'll be 47 in six months here or so, I guess seven months. And 19 years together in January. And we're still discovering. So... And out of that continual discovery, see you, Jalan, are a are an eternal being created in the likeness of an eternal God. Continually knowing Him, growing into that image, discovering who you are, how you became who you are, and who you're becoming, and sharing that with your spouse. That is the juice. Mm-hmm. And the more you say, "Here's who I am today," and you know what I told you five years ago, this, but I think I see that different now. I think it must have been that is the juice. And when that is active. The physical overflows. Mm. But we try to have physical apart from personhood. Once you've done this position, that position, this thing, that thing, it's empty. We don't know how to connect. So when the when the non-bed connection is alive, mm. man, all that stuff goes up. And I just want to add before we move on, because I think I started something. She, you cut me off. We talked so she is never going to have us. I, mean, I am like, oh, this is for me. I don't care if anybody else hears this. This is for me. <laughs> um what I had said earlier about not understanding necessarily the gravity or things that you're doing in your single life. I don't want that to be heard in with a voice of condemnation or with ears of condemnation. Trust me. If anyone needed grace, I needed grace. We all need grace, but just as a word of wisdom, maybe a seasoned, you know, I'm only 46, but there's things I've learned along the way. And had somebody sat me down when I was, 16, 18, 22, maybe I, you know, could have heard something and it could have helped me uh, avoid some of the pitfalls. Yeah. And your, your testimony, I think is, I think if you had been a sexually alive person that you wouldn't need a counsel on, okay, dear, 
look, all that stuff going on in your pants. I know you're excited. You need to change the brakes. <laughs> this is not, you don't, you don't want to, but that was not your issue. But no one knows, told you that the most unhealthy direction that you could channel your soul brokenness. That's that that's this was, it, yeah. And when you told me she, and it's a long story. It, it'll, it'll be in the book, but, um, I said, she said, Mike, I was in a tunnel that I couldn't see where I was going, falling names, social security numbers. The players were walking in and out of the stage of my drama faster than I could eat. And I said, well, how long? She said, well, this, this, she was counting. Them. And she, I said, when did it end? She goes, I was at a place with a guy. I said, what did you see in him? Nothing. I said, well, you can tell me. Was he cute? Was he funny? Was it nothing? Mm. She said, I remember he's got a gun by the bed. He's dealing drugs. What in the world am I doing here? I was going to be, I had considered going into the ministry as a nun. That was, I was going to be a virgin and a nun. How did I get here? And she said, it wasn't. I was so far from my Midwest upbringing, marrying my high school sweetheart. That was everything to me. How did I get here? And I think we found this person. I was like, yeah. he couldn't have been that bad. And we found him doing federal time for murdering a guy with a shovel mm -hmm. and, and, and burying him across the street or whatever. She said, Mike, I had lost all of me. Mm -hmm. And she said, I don't even know what happened. But none of it was driven by lust. No, it, it, the the brokenness and the emptiness. It was not. I've got a, you know, I've got a uh, a need or an itch that has to be taken care of, and I can't control myself because whatever is my libido is doing. But the brokenness and the the gap in my you know soul that. You know, you've you've heard about it. People have heard. This is why it's so important that we understand our worth and uh, yeah. our value. Because when you don't understand your worth or value, it's kind of like you think of yourself as worthless and not deserving of love or deserving of respect or deserving of somebody seeing you as a person versus yeah. a thing. Yeah, and the trauma. Yeah. And trauma women unfortunately go through trauma just it's another whole subject but but trauma is also a combination of your strength of support network yeah grounding and wholeness before the trauma and after some some people go through the same trauma you could throw an iphone we could throw 10 iphones off the roof of your house and all of them would break a different way mm -hmm. and connie went through things not exceptional so and i don't think you should belittle your trauma well it wasn't as bad as i don't think that's healthy but her, the level of self she had before, smashed against the ground, smashed against the ground, smashed against the ground, come out to zero support afterwards. If she was functioning at a third of a tank going in, she's on E with the red line on coming out. And don't ever underestimate what a human being will do mm. to try to find warmth in their soul. There's a thing that pregnant women sometimes deal with. I think they call it pica, pica. Mm -hmm. where, where their bodies will tell them you're, you're uh, uh, iron deficient or whatever. They'll even eat dirt, clay or whatever. Mm -hmm. And the soul will do mm -hmm. what it has to do to feel, you know. And so, but again, misunderstanding. So you got to know yourself. God, who am I? Who are you? And between who God is and what he wants you to do is the discovery of how he's wired you and how the journey is going to be put. And all of those things go together. So what is a single person supposed to do? I don't know. Who, who are they? 
if, if like I'm sexually awake, I would say sexually awake because of abuse. Mm-hmm. You probably need to sort that out with a counselor mm-hmm. because you know you can be damaging yourself. Well, I I have to feel pain. I have to masturbate to the point that I harm myself or whatever. That's not wholeness. You're you think you're acting out on desire, but you're 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 manifesting a brokenness and trying to reclaim a powerlessness. There's a lot of details that you have to work on, and and dealing with that and getting help with that, either prior to marriage or in, mm-hmm. you know when you're in, is going to help as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we only we're only as whole as we currently understand. Yeah. But marriage, you know, we have this idea that I'm going to marry when I'm whole and you're whole, we'll get married. You're, <laughs> you're going to be as whole as you understand, and. Then, Marriage is going to reveal, but that's what partnership is. We're supposed to be God's, a tangible expression of God's goodness and love in each other's lives, partnering with the work of the Holy Spirit in each other's lives and making each other better. And I think that's financially, family, parenting, spiritually, as ministers, disciples, servants of Christ and lovers. Mm -hmm. So good. So, so good. So you guys kind of talked about just in telling your story a little bit, some of these like challenges and barriers to like wholeness of soul when it comes to understanding your own sexuality. So like in your understanding and just kind of looking around culture, world, families, all of that, what are some other barriers to us understanding our own self with a whole perspective um, sexually? I think misteaching sometimes uh, creates that. Um, we talked about earlier about what the role of the traditional sexual role of a female versus a male. Um, also parenting model, because if you're not getting a parent and a model or preacher or mentor, that's teaching you that you're just going to fill it in. That's big. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is, I know this podcast. Yeah. You, you, no, seriously, just having this discussion, there are dominoes falling in people's lives. Mm -hmm that are going to stop falling because somebody brought new information. So that's yeah. big. And I was going to say, I know in my own life, but having talked with specifically a number of women um, where the mom specifically didn't say anything about sex. And so you grow <laughs> up and it's kind Silence. of like, you well, know, we talked to the one person who said, my yeah. mom said one thing, don't, don't get, get pregnant. pregnant. Yeah. That was, that was a, don't get pregnant. Well, good. That's but then that gets passed on and perpetuated to their children. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we purpose, on, you know, like everything else, everyone wants to do better than, you know, the generation before and as it should be. And so we purpose to talk with our children and, you know, that's something we get asked a lot, you know, how do you talk to children about sex and what do you say? And, and I think silence is not the thing because they're going to hear stuff, seek stuff out. And if, you're not setting things straight. You know, some of the things I've heard my kids say, I'm like, where did you get that information? You know, um, <laughs> Olivia, I'll, I'll say this and she knows I've said this. Uh, I was having a conversation with Olivia one day and somehow she said, well, I know you can't get pregnant the first time you have sex. And I was driving the car at the moment. And the fact that we didn't run off the road <laughs> is a miracle. I was like, wait a second. Where did you hear that? Now let me, you know, and, um, and kids are different. Olivia and very much so, you know, tries to figure out the world on her own. Yeah. My son, he likes to ask questions and talk and, you know, he's not, he's a little less shy than she is about asking certain things, but we try to really open that door of communication and the rapport (laughs) to uh, talk. What what did Mikey say? Well, (laughs) two things, two things. The, The number one thing about, you know, 
where we are as individuals, as people, as a body, as a society. We have to deal with honest. We have to deal honestly and with reality. Um, one of the things I've told my kids is uh, one of the, one of the things I've purposed is as they grow, they're going to figure out things. Um, and I want them to say, you know what? My dad n- n- never lied to me. He never misled me. We were walking through Times Square. We walked by a strip club. Olivia was probably eight, maybe. I guess no. Twenty fourteen, she was seven. Yeah. Uh, or ten. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Sorry. <laughs> and we walked by and she just got quiet as we walked. And I mean, did, we weren't like across the street. We walked right in front of the doors and they said, girls come inside or, you know, girl live dancing or whatever. And I, and I saw her look out of the corner of her eye. And now as a dad, I have a chance to pretend I didn't see what I know she saw. And she's also watching. Is dad going to play games? Is dad going to try to, oh. And I said, do you know what that is in there? And she goes, what, what, what? I'm like, well, this right here. Um, there are people that go in there and some men feel and there are some women that do this and they're generally good people. I mean, some of them come from really broken backgrounds. Some of them don't, but, um, uh, and kind of what is an unfair way that women sometimes navigate social constructs. They're paid for sexual accommodation in ways that, you know, men don't have to behave. And I said, now we're Christians and because we believe that we believe that our bodies are only meant for our spouses and blah, blah, blah. Well, these aren't bad people. It's just that, you know, and, and, you know, so that's what a topless bar is. That's what this is. And I, I don't like having that conversation with her. I don't like having a conversation with anybody, <laughs> but, but the idea that she will register and say, my dad told me the truth. And then the other part of his reality, I say, Olivia, you know, you're 15, you'll be 18 soon. I'd really like you to listen to me to 1920, somewhere in there. But eventually you're going to decide if our worldview matches your worldview. My worldview is that God, you will find somebody that loves you and thinks you walk on water, who will serve you like Christ, who will honor the boundaries of sexual Eden, who will lay down his life for you, that you'll share together, make each other laugh, build a life together as equals, share the adventure of God's will with, and that's the person you'll connect with sexually. But that's not my choice. Uh, So if you're not going to honor God's capital W wisdom, let me give you some lowercase w wisdom. Be careful because... If you're the if you're girlfriend number fifteen of so and so in the youth ministry, he's gonna move on from this to that, and you're just gonna be one of the guys that that slick really dated, or one of the lady the girls that slick really dated. Da da da. And when you get married, someone's gonna ask you about your first boyfriend or your first kiss or the first time you had sex. Be prepared for that answer because they're also gonna have an answer. And that's not to say you're gonna be perfect. You are gonna make mistakes, but think it through. You know, uh, try to try to keep the complication to a minimum. I'm saying being honest. And having real expectations. So the reason I was laughing at Mikey, somewhere along the way, Mikey and his buddy have heard <laughs> have heard the phrase sixty nine, and they know something about sex or whatever. But the, the teacher says, "Well, I was in the class the other day, and we did a math problem, and the total was sixty nine. And Mikey, who's twelve, and his buddy, who's twelve, looked at each other and went, "Nice." And he says, "So I don't know what that is. You may want to talk to him about it someday." So, um, so we decided to troll Mikey uh, uh, when he came home, and. Uh, uh, this is a week, a week or so late, and, and Connie was like, Mikey, what's the temperature set on? And the, look at the thermostat. Is it set on 69? He goes, no, it's on 71. And I was like, okay. And then I forget whatever he came yeah, back. I and I was, know, like, page number I was like, I was like what page number is it 69? He goes, why do you guys keep saying that? I go, I don't know. Why do we keep saying that? What does that mean? I don't know what it means. I said, well, according to your teacher, he thought it was pretty funny. And I mean, he was like, uh, I said, do you know what it means? I mean, I know it means something. I said, well, let me explain to you what it means. 
And so <laughs> I think he bit off more than he yeah, could. Yeah, he had two little Legos. And I was like, well, let me show you what the, I said. I know I wrote down the numbers. I said, okay, here's a six and a nine. How do they relate? He goes, I don't know. Are they opposites? So I said, well, kind of. Da, da, da. And and he he was like, when I explained and it to him, I took out the Legos and he goes, oh, oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, but my point is, the messages are coming constantly. Mm-hmm. And if they don't have a role model, even you, to have your parents or your pastors or somebody who models sex positivity mm-hmm. in a way that honors Christ. I have um, people that I know in ministry whose uh, parents and step-parents brought in people for them to have sex with, mm-hmm. whose fathers got them a prostitute as a present on their first birthday. First. Uh, 16th birthday, <laughs> I apologize. Oh, 16th, I apologize, thank you. Um, that's not what I mean. Being sexually open and raw is is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people who honor each other, who are sexual equals, that my kids see that their mother and their father both pursue each other, both have these delights and things like that. Um, I think that's the best that can be done, but to do it in an honest and real way. And I don't know what they think. I don't know what their friends think. <laughs> we had a bad situation. My daughter got on Instagram for her 15th birthday. All of her friends followed her and friended her. And then they found us and they found our feed and our things like that. And they were texting her like, oh, my gosh, I went on your parents' feed. I am scarred for life. <laughs> and like, Look, he goes, she goes, I know you don't live with it. I live with it. It's all good. No big deal. And she said, if you have questions, ask your own parents. So, you know, was going to go. Um, but so where we are, I think, is maybe at a place of hope um, that we might be able to get this thing right. And sex isn't everything. It is a thing. Um, but it's what makes us married. But it I is mean, a thing. It, it's, what, it was, it's, it's what makes us married. That's the difference. We could be roommates. We could be besties. But sex is what makes us married. And the fact that it's sex only with each other um, makes us exclusively married. It makes us, um, you know, it's a, spe- it's a special covenant. So why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> <laughs> Got all googly eyes. Yeah, you did. She loves you. She does love me. Oh, gosh, yes. Okay, so then we kind of talked about like, how things have gone awry. So what needs to happen like on the individual level for women to be able to kind of like step into this wholeness, regardless of their background? Ooh. Well, I'll say one thing. I don't know if it's the, and there's not the thing, but yeah. I don't know if it's the top thing, but a huge part of this is that men have to make it a priority and to kind of set things straight as far as women being a sexual equal Big time. and that is going to go a long way a, that if it, a, if the voices a, only are women that are a, championing a, a for hum, this a human equal yes therefore sexual equal yes and men leading that script saying that yes. speaking that yes yeah. I, yeah, yeah outside yeah. of sexuality you know men championing for the rights of women or you know you know, the equality of women in our culture and, you know, workplace or whatever that is, because if it's, you know, and going out, you know, carrying that through, you know, sexually as well, because if it's only women's voices we're hearing or women saying, this is what needs to be done. That's not, you know, it's there they go. There they go again. And it's not, it's not us and they, it should be a we We. thing. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things. I think so. And what, of course, you know, I know all your listeners may not come from this worldview. We come from a a Christian worldview. We believe that wholeness as an individual begins in Christ, that the Mm -hmm. identity and the relationship with Christ, um, that's where it starts. Uh, That's not where it ends. That's, that's, 
It's point one, day one of a journey, a journey that God's going to take with you. And I'm speaking, I know you asked about primarily women, um, which God is going to restore and reset to factory settings. Reveal worth, reveal value. The other thing, though, I think is um, a lot of times people get so spiritually grounded that they don't know how to interact. Mm -hmm. They don't know how to be normal people, let alone normal people of the opposite sex. They don't know how to date. They don't know how to have a conversation. It either goes to worldliness and lust and perversion and how can I be crude or whatever, or it goes to if you're not quoting scripture each moment, then we're not able to talk. And I I really grieve for people that can't navigate between the two, um, that can't like art just for art, mm -hmm. that, that every picture of an apple doesn't have to have John 316 in the corner. It could just be, it could just be an apple. Mm -hmm. um, so I think the body of Christ I think what happens is we come out of brokenness and we want to so overcompensate for our brokenness that we become fake and phony. Mm. And there has to be. And again, I go back to the pulpit. What is the pulpit modeling? If the pulpit, and again, this is, I know I'm slanted this way. When I, when the day I felt like I heard the call to ministry, this was what I heard. I mean, people take it for whatever they want to believe. This is my story. That I was, I was not in a church. I was not in a sanctuary. I was, had, I was observing the conversation between two preachers, and I heard a voice say to me, I feel like I heard a voice say to me, that what you see in front of you is what I'm calling you to do. I want you to be the same person off the pulpit that you are on the pulpit, and I don't ever want you to preach anything that cannot be taken out and lived at home. And then the voice said, I'll hold you accountable for this. So that has shaped my entire ministry, that every time I stand in front of people, I can't put on airs. Or I can't discuss things that once church is over, they have no value. Mm -hmm. I have to translate what I'm seeing in Christ to where people live. Mm -hmm. And so wholeness for women comes from men who champion that mm -hmm. and women who model that. And then that personal discovery with Christ. Everybody's broken in different ways. Discovering your brokenness is only part of it. Recognizing brokenness in others doesn't make you a hero. You know, <laughs> Recognizing how screwed up your parents were and what they didn't provide doesn't make you a hero. You know, uh, you've got to discover your own flaws, your own um, fallibility um, that should generate humility and that humility should generate grace. That grace should allow the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts on the things and at the times the Holy Spirit deems to work on. It may not be dealing with your cigarette habit right now. It might be dealing with your attitude. It might not be dealing with your attitude right now. It might be dealing with your trust and trusting God. It might not be dealing with your trust, but it might be dealing with the stinginess and, and allow the work of God to unfold in you the uh, the, the one translation says, uh, the power that his presence within accomplishes, the work that his presence within accomplishes. The Holy Spirit is the Father within. Our Father who art in heaven, that's the God that we pray to. But Jesus said, the Father within me, he does the work. So the Father within is the Holy Spirit and working that out. And also, I don't know how, may I ask how old you are, John? Yeah, 26. 26? Listen, let me tell you, I'm 46. On my 40th birthday, I got in the car with my dad, who was 70. I said, Dad? He said, how you doing? We were going to go play golf. I said, well, Dad, I'm 40. I said, I'm a full grown man. I guess I got to start taking responsibility. He goes, nope, I'm 70. You got time. And he said, I haven't started yet. And you don't need to either. Jelan, I'm telling you this at 26, you don't have to have it all figured out. Mm -hmm. God forbid at 30, you're still learning or at 40 or at 50 or at 60 or at 70, you're still learning. So taking the pressure off yourself, giving yourself grace, being willing to give grace, uh, doing the things that are healthy, things that express dominion, things that you can do. You can bring your life into order. You can invest in projects to uh, uh, make yourself better. You can 
uh, give of yourself. You might not be able to have a best-selling book tomorrow, but you can make your bed. You can you can say I'm going to walk 20 minutes three times a week. Uh, personal dominion, spiritual growth, centering yourself, and then I pray that you're able to find other people, maybe a man that's interested in marriage, on a similar path. And I think that's where Connie and I got. We had we broke our engagement. Horrible, just breakdowns before we got engaged. I hesitate to share that because when I share that, people could think that toxicity, violence, mm. fighting and all that is normal and say, oh, Mike and Connie, you know, they had the cops called three times. No, that's not true. But I think if you don't share that, then somebody goes, oh, we've had an issue. It must not be normal. So mm. I, I don't know how, you know, and I know people will, will confiscate our story and manipulate it for their mm-hmm. own thing. I'm telling you what happened. But what, why I decide to marry her is not that she was without problems or I was without problems. But I decided to marry her because I saw we had the ability to talk and process through. Mm. I saw that when we walked away, it was like, okay, this is a problem. This is an issue. But even still, the sun rises and sets with her. Mm. And I'll tell you what, and I mean this. I, this is These are the layers of discovery. Knowing Connie's sexual past, then finding out the fine print to it, still leads to the next issue, which is the type of person who could be in a place of brokenness to find themselves in that position has some hardwiring things that are tied to that. I was concerned as any rational person would be this lady lives for sex. She's person after person after person after person. When I said, well, when you said, you know, you've been with a few people, what does that mean? And she gave me a number and I, I, I just, I just froze. I was like, Oh, okay. And she's like, I'm sorry that and I'm, no, 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 it's cool. It's cool. And your mind is going, you know, you hear the Teletubbies run away, you know. This, <laughs> but but my, my my concern was you realize you're marrying a whore, a slut, or whatever you want to call it. You know, sluts go for sex, whores go for exchange, whatever you want to call it. I don't know what the broken world calls it. This lady's going to break your heart. You're going to have to watch 24-7 because anybody with that much desire, they can go man to man to man to man. She's got something going on so deep that whatever you're doing and you're traveling and you've got to go all over the world and preach. And what are you going to, how are you going to want all these, you know, the devil mm-hmm. will pay whatever lie he thinks you'll believe. Right. That is the most ridiculous non-concern in the world. I mean, it's the exact opposite. So the thing I was afraid would be the issue was not the issue. The issue was a woman with no voice, mm. a woman who was so conditioned in childhood to accommodate male aggression and authority that she said, yes, no matter what, and then when I would say, well, here, what do you want to do? I'm fine with whatever. No, I don't need fine with whatever. So the, the area I was concerned about, the, f- the fruit that her brokenness took, that that would be the problem. Not realizing that no sense of self was what got translated over to the other parts of my life. So working through that, loving each other through that, um, knowing how her strength is stacked, that she's got so high stacks in all these other areas. But but there is a, there is an area where she's not perfect. There's an area where I'm not perfect counting on the love and grace of God that we give and receive each other to cover that. I mean, to get to a place of wholeness, like she said, there's no one point, there's a thousand points, but it's all the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the, it's the, it's the fruit that is presence within the work that is presence within accomplishes. And again, other people may come at it from the psychiatric or, you know, psychological, we believe in all that. We start with spiritual and then fill in the blanks from Mm -hmm. there, but that's, that's just our worldview. Ah, oh, so good. And um, you guys hit on so many things just in that space. And 
So, 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 so good. Okay. So as we wrap up, what do you guys have? Where can people find you? How can they connect with all of the amazing goodness that you just oozed a little bit of just now? (laughs) Okay. uh, On all the major social media, it's uh, Mike, lovesconnie.com or sorry uh, no my, at mike loves connie at connie loves mike that's yes. her that's me that's me that's her whatever mm-hmm. that is uh, that's, you, a, that's the gram i guess is yeah the, the gram, gram. Yeah. Listen, the gram. We, listen we're not oh <laughs> we're on facebook michael tyler smith connie is connie marie smith i'm on twitter as mt smith uh at mt smith I'm connie and smith know. i don't know we're they're all connected <laughs> we we just type stuff that goes out and then people find us but you can go to michaelandconnie.com that's yes. our main website it's got a blog there it's got a contact page if you want to contact Unfortunately, we don't do counseling. Uh, we could do counseling. Yeah, the requests that come in. We, just, we were like, oh, yeah, we could do that. We could do that. And it's, it's not possible. Mm-hmm. We pr- counsel primarily pastors, business leaders, uh, seven mountain leaders, et cetera. Um, but Michael Cunningham has got books, uh, children's book, uh, book, first book on great married sex. Uh, first book on uh, great married sex. Uh, got another one coming out hopefully spring of mm-hmm. uh, 2020. Yeah, and then, uh, so it's good stuff. Uh, it's all love. It's all love. But uh, some of the uh, Instagram, uh, Facebook live stuff that you referenced is on there. We've got mm-hmm. um, stuff on there on uh, masturbation. We've got stuff on there on uh, body uh, uh, image, uh, penis size, self image, uh, cultural some. things. We've got uh, how to have difficult conversations and relationships. So there's lots of good stuff on there. It's definitely, like you say, it's not for the littles for sure. (laughs) You need your nine-year-old on there or whatever. But um, listen, if you're trying to find bad stuff on the internet, our side is not the place. There is much worse stuff on the internet than what we've got going on. For sure. Okay, guys. So definitely, definitely check out all of their social media handles. Follow them, like, subscribe, all that good stuff. Because um, if you weren't blown away, I was. And I've known them for a long time. So... um, Definitely follow them. Definitely connect with them. Um, go into your week just, I mean, built up because this uh, God is so good. God is just so good. And he's so faithful. And um, man, I think what you guys have shared, you know, I think sometimes, especially in like church circles, we're, we're very focused on the, the internal. And sometimes we don't work our way out into, okay, what does this mean for where I live? Um, and so just it was just empowering for me coming into um, y'all's ministry early on to hear that God carried about the the life stuff um, mm-hmm. and just how you live your life well and feeling empowered and educated. And yeah. so, you know, this was a gift. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We love you. Yes. Thank you. All thank the you. best to you, to the family. Um, and this is exciting. Uh, we're on season four. Is that where we are? Yeah, season four. Well, we're delighted to be yes. on season four. We Thank celebrate you. you. I, have to, I have to add it to my IMDb. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's four. where you are. <laughs> uh, thank you very, very Yes, very and we much. wish you the best in all that you have going on. Uh, we know that God has great things ahead for you. Yeah, we're, we're fans. Yeah. You don't know that, but we're fans. Yeah, I told you guys I'm fangirling over here, so <laughs> ditto, ditto. Yeah. So much there, man. Uh, it was so good. I'm so, so, so grateful to have them on the podcast. And man, I hope your life was changed. <laughs> I hope you walk away with things to think about. There's so much to think about. And so I just really encourage you to sit with the Lord and allow him to highlight things, direct things to you, um, you know, do whatever he wants to do in you. And I really encourage you to walk into this week, you know, with fresh grace. I woke up this morning with uh, the song that Lecrae has on his All Things Work Together album called Worth It. 
Um, And it was just such a good reminder of how much room God gives us, how much he loves us and how there he is for us. And so, you know, I don't know if you feel like you are on top of the world or slugging it out, but I just encourage you, you know, to walk into the week knowing who you are, who's gone ahead of you, who's with you, who's your rear guard, um, because he's so for you and he so loves you. And so, um, yeah. I just, I pray that over you, that you know who you are and you walk like it. So boss it out this week, guys. Bye.